Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Tom Ellett, and I serve as the host of today's podcast, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. And as you can tell, I don't have a co-host this evening, and that is because our RAs are actually taking care of themselves and back at home. And so tonight, I'm going to try, go old school, and be on the podcast by myself. But I have such a great guest that it will feel like there's three of us in the room today. Today, our guest is Janet Barrick, who served as an RA in Carlisle for Charity, Halsdorf, Chris Stippick, Therese Grande, and had FFIR Anthony Reynolds during the 2006 to 2008 academic years. Janet, thanks for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure having you on. Tell us where are you and how are you? Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on this podcast. Um, literally, right now, where I am is in the suburbs of Princeton, New Jersey. Um, but where am I in life? Well, um, I've actually graduated now for 12 years, which is hard to believe. 12 years. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, to sum up my life, I've lived in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Jersey City, and then I just moved to the suburbs. Um, life events. I got married. I got a dog. Um, her name is Nutmeg. She is wonderful. And then I also had a baby, Devin, and he is two. Congratulations. Uh, you know, it's great yeah. to hear your voice. And uh, I, I heard another family member's voice just recently, who I got to talk with and have on the podcast as well. Yes, yeah. So of course, I, I love that. So I will admit, I have been waiting and hoping that I would get an invite to be part of the podcast. And then of course, when Jesse, Jesse, you got the invite and, you know, and then referred me, I was like, of course, I was going to get referred by my brother because he's just, um, he's, I think, much better connected than I am. Uh, Well, I had a good chance to stay in touch with Jesse and he is really a phenomenal young man. And so congratulations to your parents and to you as an older sister of twins. I know Jesse was here and his brother was at Michigan, I believe. Yep. Je- um, Jeffrey went to Ross. So um, we have a bit of rivalry and the you um, Barrick household. <laughs> well, let's take a step back and talk a little bit about your time at Washington Square. Uh, what did you study while you were a student here? Sure. Uh, so my uh, major was communications at the Steinhardt School, and I specialized in media and advertising. And what was the motivation for you to use, uh, you know, communication studies uh, as a undergraduate degree for yourself? Yeah, so I, um, it's interesting. I mean, just to set back the time, it was 2004 to 2008. We were just starting to get on Facebook. I was actually one of the first classes on Facebook. Um, yeah, uh, at when they opened it up to be on Harvard and um, the Ivy. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Twitter, I think think might have started. Um, Yahoo was the biggest search engine. Google was just starting to like come up. Um, So I'll say like for media and advertising at that time, for me, I thought I wanted to go into public relations at first. Um, Sex and the city was all the rage. So I think it was all about women power. And I just felt like it was a really cool medium to be part of because, um, you know, honestly, for the glamour of it um, and, you know, being part of the glitz and being part of New York. Um, 
my motivation has changed quite a bit then. So I could definitely go into that. Um, but yeah, that was the original thought. <laughs> Excellent. And, and extracurricular activities. How did you embrace the NYU outside the classroom experiences? What did you involve yourself in? So I loved internships. I mean, you are in New York. Um, it's just a $2.25 subway ride back then. Um, but I did WNYU radio. I helped produce a show called Earshot, um, where I did a lot of the interviews myself. And then um, in terms of, I was being an RA was definitely most of the time in my last two years. And then uh, something else that I remembered I really liked was alternative spring breaks. Um, that was something that was set up after Hurricane Katrina. And so, you know, it allowed college students to actually go to the areas that were affected and help build houses. So that was a very cool one week traveling to Mobile, Alabama by bus mm -hmm. with other NYU students. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Bus down to New Orleans. Yep. <laughs> that was... 24 hours, too, on the bus, which was I really impressive. It. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. And I bet you felt a real sense of giving back and then the connections that you grew, that you gained with your colleagues in the class uh, going down to New Orleans. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one, you know, as you get older um, and now I'm in my 30s, so I'm definitely reflecting back. You realize just how amazing, like, human, the core of human values is. And, um, what I loved about that and also becoming an RA is, you know, you just really want to help people. There's like a very strong satisfaction when you're able to talk some, to someone or you're able to do like a small act of kindness or service. Um, and when you get that positive reaction back, it, you know, it's quite addicting. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, you and I talked right before that we started the podcast, the whole idea especially at this moment in time with the virus, the whole idea of reflection and how important it is. And, and so maybe you can talk a little bit about to our listeners who are in the mo moment of crisis. You know, you've gone through some crisis clearly, uh, you know, younger at 9-11, but, but certainly some time with responding to Katrina, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Um, you know, what, sh what should 18 to 22-year-olds be thinking about and, and using this as propelling to the next step for themselves? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I think back because this is a very common theme. I realize whether it's right now during this unfortunate time we have in our world, um, but as well as honestly life. And that is, you know, human beings have two natural responses, which is fight or flight. And my theory now is, you know, when you are going through these moments of where you just feel stuck, and I've been calling them similar to a writer's block, you're just in a block, you're, you know, you have a rut. And I think as humans, you know, our brain is the most powerful muscle that we have. And you have the ability to either say, you know what, flight, I, I can't handle this. And, you know, unfortunately, that is how some people handle anxiety, you, you take a step back, you know, you think through it. Um, but the other piece is fight. And where I get really excited is I just see so many amazing people, you know, they take their moment of, okay, how am I going to figure this out? And then they fight through it. And it's whether it's, you know, their current present situation, or it's very well, you know, the thoughts in their head, but that is something that I definitely have learned through life is it, it's not until you get put into those situations that those triggers, you know, 
are activated until you really know who who you are. And then yeah. when you do know, that's where you can go really far. Yeah. And, and connections is so important. And, and I think as we think when we reflect on your time as an RA, um, my question would be, what made you apply? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, I like to always think of it as two parts. So the first part is um, going back to uh, just really making someone feel good. Um, I had some great RAs. So my freshman year, I had David Bazzano and I had Michael Lister. And they were awesome because my freshman year at Weinstein, you know, I think Res Life did so much for me. Um, but I was very lonely, you know, like you come to NYU, you come for the city, but you don't realize that without the campus or without, you know, the force community in some ways, you have to really seek that out on your own. And I was very young at that time to know that that was my responsibility. So you know, I, I love my RAs for it. I got to live in 26th street and I just quickly realized like, you know, when I embraced that, oh, wow, I could create that experience. Um, so I was fortunate to be the explorations RA, I think in the first year, um, with Anthony Reynolds. And we had a very cool theme, which was, um, food. It was, it was about food and arts and exploration. So that was really cool. A very popular floor that still exists. Oh, that's still, great. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, 26th Street, for our listeners who, who don't know, that's no longer a residence hall at NYU. Oh, <laughs> it, it's actually been transferred to NYU Medical Center for their, uh, for their uh, trainees there. Um, what was it like on staff um, at, Car- at Carlisle? Carlisle was awesome. I mean, I don't like, I am competitive, but I Every hall is awesome in its own way, but I had a really great RA life. Um, Cherry Halsdorf was the main CDE at the time. And then uh, Chris Stippick was our was my first assistant CDE. The second year we had Therese Grande. Um, and I just felt like we were a family and it was awesome because it was just like summer camp all the time. <laughs> um, I also feel bad because we definitely drove Chris crazy. I mean, I would show up at his, you know, apartment sometimes just be like, Hey, Chris, let's talk. Let's set up billboards. And he'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was very nice with his time. <laughs> so you had a good experience with the, uh, your colleagues, uh, peers, uh, Anthony Reynolds, faculty fellow, uh, you had good relationship and, and engaged with him in terms of uh, what you were doing. Yeah. So I, I mean, going back to relationships. So I had Anthony as my freshman year teacher. Um, I can't remember the exact class that he taught, but I actually still remember his class lessons. We talked a lot about um, actually mass hysteria, like media, um, just, you know, group trauma, actually, sorry, some dark, morbid topics, but um, just really interesting to like, think about how people react in mass, you know, Um, But so he had reached out to me and said he was starting up this floor um, and I got to work with him. We set up um, some great activities around like we read the Marion Nestle book when, you know, food and nutrition was just starting to become a really hot topic. Um, Oh, we got to go to, um, oh my gosh, uh, his name is escaping me, Matthew something. He started the vegan movement in New York. Um, and I got to learn about the raw food 
um, like recipes and stuff like that. So all of these things that have become very trendy recently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing is because we had such a nice budget, thank you, RA Life. <laughs> um, we got to take students out to some great restaurants that they otherwise would not be able to do. Like I think we went to Tom Colicchio's um, restaurant in Union Square before, you know, way before it closed down. Um, and there was a few others too. Yeah. You got to do a lot of fun things. Oh yeah. I had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, what skills did you gain from, from being an RA? There were a number of skills, obviously. I'm trying to think of the most important ones. I'd say the three. Um, so one of the reasons I also became an RA was the financial independence, right? So my parents, I was very lucky because they were paying for my tuition and honestly, they would have paid for my housing because they're just awesome. Um, but I really wanted to be able to show that I could do something. And when given that opportunity to cover my own housing, I was like, wow, yes. So that's a huge lesson because I think, um, you know, we as students, we don't often get to realize, oh, like your personal finances is really important. And starting young can really set you off for successes in life. Um, so that is definitely a big one. And then my other two, I'd say, is just like how to lead um, and being a good leader. You know, you're in this situation like where I personally, for me, I was with my peers. You know, I was with sophomores, juniors and seniors. And so if I were to have come off as that authoritarian figure, you know, they wouldn't have appreciated it. And if I tried to own the events and not let organic conversation, you know, like we, I don't think we would have made the explorations the way it was. Um, so that taught me a lot in just being leading a team, you know, being genuine, having mutual respect, um, and just how to like build that collaboration. That's really important. Excellent. And last question before we take a break, what was the best aspect of attending NYU for you? Hmm. There are so many. I mean, I, I loved my NYU experience. Um, it was very different from anyone else's, but it taught me some basic life lessons. Um, I think it really taught me how to be assertive. And I love that. And I say that because, you know, NYU, you have to be assertive in order to stand out. You have to be able to ask for things in a very respectful way, you know, um, but yeah, I love like the fact being an RA, being at Carlisle, like, you know, I think what Beyonce and Jay-Z have the apartment building next door, you know, so right yeah, there, so being yeah, 19 yeah. or 20 living in Union Square like that, that's priceless. So, yeah. And with the farmer's market across the street, you know, there was a lot of adulting that was happening for you and for your peers in, in Carlisle and all around NYU, apartment style living, all of that. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we had to teach ourselves how to cook. We had yep. to yep. find, um, be really creative with how we spent our money. So I, I walked a lot. Um, I did not take the subway because if I could save $5, I mm -hmm. would have. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um right. We did not have Ubers back then. So, um, you know, we, when we did take the taxis, we had to be really smart about where we were going. So we didn't go for rides. Um, so yeah, we definitely became adults a bit faster, but I think, you know, in the long run, it definitely, um, made you just realize like the realities of the world and, you know, you've learned how to, how to deal with them. 
Absolutely. Well, Janet, thank you for sharing a little bit about the NYU experience. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into life post NYU. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, I'm Morgan J. I I used to be an artist in 2007 to 2009 at Weinstein, and I'm currently a professional actor and comedian out here in Los Angeles. If you want to check me out, go to my website, morganj.com, or follow me on Instagram, at morganj, and that's J-A-Y at the end. And I come to New York often, and I might be at your school, you never know, in the fall. So stay tuned. Janet, thanks for sharing so far a little bit about the NYU experience. Let's go to graduation day. You cap and gown, Yankee Stadium, and now what's next? Tell us a little bit about the career and what happened as you started thinking about the next steps post-NYU. Yeah, so that um, is definitely interesting because, you know, I was um, two-star, my husband, um, two-star Barrick. I went by Janet Yu uh, back then and still now professionally. Um, so two-star was part of Stern. Jesse is part of Stern they were used to doing the whole recruitment really early on. Um, and that gave me my OCD and the planning part of me, a lot of agita. Um, but I did a lot of interviewing that second semester. Uh, and, you know, I think people go into the interview process thinking like, okay, I'm going to apply for this company. I'm going to get an offer and then I'm going to start. And the truth is, um, no matter what stage in your career, it's going to take a few interviews. So I, I'm really grateful for just being in New York. I was able to practice a lot. I think I interviewed at like 20 to 30 different media companies. Wow. Hot, yeah, like hot jobs was really big back then, not LinkedIn. <laughs> so, so I applied for every media job I could find on hot jobs and career builder. And then, um, you know, went to the NYU resources team where I could called all the people that I had interned with and asked them around. Um, that actually was what helped me. And then I was fortunate to um, find Scripps, which is the, which was the uh, parent company of Food Network at the time. Mm. That was my mm -hmm. dream job. So I got an offer then and I was able to move to Williamsburg, Brooklyn uh, before it was Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And, um, you know, then I, I started at, at Scripps. So mm -hmm. what, what's got you engaged in the type of work that you, you do today? So um, I talked a lot about the glitz and the glamour. So um, I tell the story a lot because I want people to know that the intentions that you do use may not be great <laughs> intentions, but it doesn't really matter. Right. So when I uh, was at Food Network, I was an intern. And one of the really cool things I got to do was uh, actually man the door for a um, for a party that we were hosting. And it was part of the release of the next Food Network star at the time, Guy Fieri was a host. And, but I, you know, I was the intern, so I had to stay by the door. I, I did not get to go into the party. I did not get to taste the food, you know? Um, I think I got some scraps, but you know what? You gotta, you gotta put your time in afterwards. And I got a lot of appreciation for manning the door. Um, afterwards, I was able to go out to lunch with the team and I was like, you know, just curious, who were those other people in there? They were, you know, taking some, you, you could see these people were like, just kind of showing the room around and they were like, oh, those are the ad sales people. Like they have to bring the clients and they have to, you know, show them around and, the, you know, they have to have the clients, the brands meet all these stars. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be in ad sales. So 
that was my intention. Um, now where I am, the reason why I'm actually very passionate about my job is you realize media is such a strong platform. And in days, today's climate, right, we see there are so many outlets that people can get information, whether it's right or it's wrong. Um, but you can also see that like the way that, you know, TV is created is different. Like when I was watching TV, when I was little, it was very homogenous, right? There was no Asian representation. Um, so now being able to watch all of anything I want and be able to relate to it gives people a lot of power. It also gives consumers a lot of power. And um, I love that advertising, um, not to say isn't into doing that, but it advertising has definitely become more um, empathetic and more encompassing of all of the shoppers views because they know that that's what's important to people. So that's why I stay in it. <laughs> How did you make the choices of the companies that you ended up working with through your career? How did those pivot moments happen for you? And if you can pick one or so, that would be really helpful for our listeners. Well, the first step, I think when you're younger, um, I think it's really important to go for something that you're passionate about. And at in my 20s, I just really loved the Food Network. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just a really great channel. Um, I love the TV shows. I love what they were doing. So, so that was just my dream job at that time. Um, and then where I've been fortunate is I've been able to move into these different companies that I happen to be really passionate about what they were doing. Um, like Pandora at the time they were, you know, Spotify didn't exist. We were just coming from the record industry, basically, you know, realizing all of their revenue was being taken away by Napster and LimeWire. Um, so they were very closed off and Pandora was becoming that platform that they were like, oh, wow, you know, people can still listen to our music. We have this amazing tech that's recommending people what type of music they want to listen to. Um, how can we, you know, build off of that? So I would say like new new platforms, uh, like the first of its kind, like I've been really fortunate to be part of that. How, you know, you're, you're really in a generation now that sees companies come and companies go. In the role that you play, how do you stay ahead of that? What are you looking for to make sure that the venture that you're representing is still something that is necessary or needed or being invested in in our society today? What are the signs that you pay attention to? Well, so I, I did re-listen to Jesse's podcast yesterday. <laughs> and something that I wanted to call out was, you know, I think when you're early on in your career, so Jesse, he was able to work at JP Morgan, this amazing, huge company, right, that influences people's everyday lives. And then from there, he was like, you know what, I want to go in the startup route and really build it up. I did the opposite. I started at really small companies. I was, I liked being a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And now I'm at Walmart, which is 2 million employees. But I would say I am learning more at Walmart than I ever have. And I think it's because um, when we think about companies that last, it's companies that have a very strong mission statement but that are also very easy. And Walmart, for example, customer's number one. 
So when you have to make really hard decisions on a day to day, um, and, and I work with, you know, advertising partners like Pepsi, um, who care about their advertising very much, but when it could be potentially different from like what Walmart's goals are, you have to make hard decisions and knowing, for example, that mission customers, number one, that makes things a lot easier. And, and I do think that's what gives employees the empowerment to, um, keep building those companies. Yeah. So what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What's a, what's a, it look like working for Walmart media group? <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've been, you know, I'm really fortunate to be at Walmart. I'm so proud um, just to like put my Walmart hat on for a second. Like you, you really don't realize what the companies you work for are doing until these moments of crises. Right. And so seeing that, you know, growing up, like Walmart was just such this like old school brand and I couldn't really relate to it, but now seeing what they're doing, especially for people um, buying products that they need and like, you know, helping them have medicine. And you realize like, you know, Walmart, because of its scale, it's there for so many crises and it's there when customers and shoppers really need them. And so on a day to day, um, I'll tell you at the very basic stuff, it's a lot of meetings. Um, Walmart, we have so many decision makers and there's just so many parts of the business that are working together at the same time. So in order to make that really big wheel spin, there's a lot of smaller wheels that are powering that. And, um, so the two things that I have to do every day is just one meeting. So making sure that everyone who needs to be is connected and, and is aligned. Um, and then the second piece is just also bringing clarity, you know, cause it, it can be like a game of telephone and, you know, making sure everybody knows the same thing. Very different from the small uh, boutique kind of work that you may have done earlier and not that food network is a boutique, but smaller organizations to one of the largest, if not the largest in the world today, Walmart and keeping it personal. I would imagine that might be a hard thing in a large organization like that. How do you, how do you make people, every person feel valued? And, you know, it's hard for me with 325 RAs here in RCAs. How how do you make each one feel like you matter? We value you. Well, I think that, um, I think it's probably really similar to the RA experience. So, um, in order to keep, I'm sure you relate to this as like to keep the res life going, you do end up gravitating to the people who have the best energy and who are most excited about it. Um, And then that energy really naturally disperses. So um, it's very similar at Walmart. Uh, You do have to be strategic about, not political, strategic in terms of like, okay, what is the main goal that you have? And we are a very solutions oriented company. So we don't like to take it on as like the problem because everyone knows what the problem might be. It's more like, okay, what is the vision that you're going for? And then you end up spending naturally more time with people who are just as excited about the vision. And then you end up trusting that other people, if you share the vision, you'll most likely make decisions that lead toward that. 
a great leadership uh, direction that you're giving to our listeners. Uh, tell us some projects that you're currently working on. Sure. Uh, well, I do get to oversee the PepsiCo marketing um, business at Walmart. Um, so what that breaks down to is you can imagine Pepsi is a very big partner of Walmart's. Um, Pepsi is the largest food and snacks brand in the world. And so we sell a lot of their products in Walmart stores. So um, my main responsibility is making sure that, you know, when Pepsi is releasing a new product or they have like a national ad campaign like Super Bowl, uh, I get to work with my team to figure out how do we make that um, relevant in the Walmart ecosystem. And then what we do is we actually execute the banners, the, you know, the media, the messaging across um, all of walmart.com, all of Walmart grocery. And then uh, we also help connect the dots where we can in the stores side. Something I'm really proud of is, so Super Bowl is really the big moment for both Pepsi and Walmart. And something that we got to do this year was we created a, um, it's a digital storefront. It's basically a Pepsi uh, web website within Walmart. Um, so that when people are shopping for their snacks and stuff at Walmart, they can actually go directly to this Pepsi page and they can buy all of the chips and the, you know, the um, healthy and uh, uh, traditional sodas that they have. Um, and it's just a really seamless customer experience that that was really fun. And then, you know, when you see the commercials that are happening on uh, Super Bowl, and then you see the search activity go up on walmart.com the next day. Like, that's pretty cool to see it all come together. Tell us about uh, memorable moments that you've had in the field so far. So they're definitely not as glitzy and glamour as I, I thought they would be. Uh, so there's, there's three. Um, the first one is at Food Network. Uh, I was called on to help with a client event that we were hosting at the Food Network Kitchen. And unfortunately, um, we had, we couldn't get a PR um, person to come in and to actually give the tours of the kitchens, which is what everybody wants to know about, you know. Um, so because of my relationship, I actually knew the person who was giving the tours. She gave me a quick rundown to be like, hey, these are the different things. These are the facts. Go ahead. And so I actually led the kitchen tours impromptu for an evening. I was so proud. I was like 22 at the time. And I, I can be actually really shy. And so to be given that responsibility and to make, you know, these clients feel very important and let them see a side of the Food Network kitchens, like that actually continues to be one of the proudest moments I have. <laughs> and then the other one, and this is more company, but uh, Pandora I was fortunate to be there when they IPO'd. I did not make a ton of money from that IPO. I was a little junior on the team, so I didn't get as many options. But it was very cool to be part of that. And Tim Westergren, who is the founder of Pandora, just knowing his backstory, like, you know, you really feel like this is a guy who went from being $250,000 in debt, like in credit cards because he wanted to make this work to like getting the funding, like, you know, a week later. So very cool. It's <laughs> a great story. Uh, do you stay in contact with other RA alums? And now is your time to do some shout outs. Sure. So um, I definitely have in, in more passive ways uh, through Instagram, but I will give a big shout out to Tori Chamey, 
Um, he was an RA and we've been living parallel lives because we discovered one, we had babies literally the same time. He was at Hackensack Hospital the week before I was there with Devin. Um, he works at Amex, which was across the street from my office at the time. I was at One World Trade. He was at, you know, the financial center. And then we were both living in Jersey City. So shout out to Tori and then um, shout out to Chanel Griffin. I feel like I can never talk to her as much as I'd like, but she's having this awesome life now reporting for NBC. She just got engaged. Um, Nick Nedzweski, he was one of my best buddies when we were RAs. So, yeah. Uh, let's do some speed round. Here we go. Okay. Favorite tradition at NYU? Mamoons and Comedy Cellar. Favorite NYU teacher? Anthony Reynolds. <laughs> there you go, Anthony. Another tick for him. Good. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? Uh, Amy Schumer. She made fun of me when I was at the Comedy Cellar. She picked on you. Did she know you were an NYU student or just picking on you in general? She, she was just picking on me. Okay. All right. okay. <laughs> Your favorite NYU places to hang out? Uh, Union Square Farmer's Market. Broadway show that you went to see as a student? Wicked. Wow, great one. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience at Carlisle? Uh, singing in the rain in the middle of the Carlisle courthouse at the top of our lungs. It was eight of us. Very disruptive to the students. Um, sorry, but we got soaking wet and we sang some some song over and over again for like 10 minutes. And, and I don't know if you've been back, but the courtyard has finally got a new revived life. It's like a garden. It's beautiful, a park. I mean, they've cleared everything out with swings and sets. I mean, it's just gorgeous. So you'll have to come back. I know the RAs were always clamoring. Let's do something with this courtyard. And finally we did. Finally, we did. Gina, thank you so much for spending some time with me to discuss the journey and where life has taken you since your days at NYU. Uh, also, thanks to our listeners uh, who can stay connected to RAs. Um, Janet, I hope that you continue to live the joyful life that you're living today in impacting people one person at a time. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much, Tom. Have a great day. You're most welcome. Special thanks to my engineer, Alejandra Aravello, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasing, and to the current professional staff like Charity, Chris, and Therese, and Anthony as an FFIR of NYU who assisted these great RAs in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the RA alumni website, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all-time favorite memories, and other accomplishments that have been accomplished by our students. Until next time, think about how you can keep your distance from others through this virus, but stay connected. We certainly need each other more now than ever. Have a great night.